Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, August 3rd. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're looking into why women are the fastest growing demographic of gun buyers in the country. American women are buying more guns than ever before. Mostly, they say, to protect themselves. To hear the voices behind the statistic, vice journalist Manisha Krishnan went to Texas for the annual A Girl and a Gun conference, where women are being trained to fend off sexual assaults and home invasions with firearms. She wanted to find out whether gun culture among American women is fueled by fact or fear. So I sat down with Manisha to talk about her new short doc, Fear and Loading, Women and Guns in America. We are not talking about just a range environment. We are talking about out in the world in a real life situation, like an active shooter, active killer event, particularly with our loved ones and our children present. I'm gonna look around in my environment and I'm gonna go, what is the safest direction that I can point this firearm? And by the way, bad guys make amazing safe directions. Your first stop in the film was an annual women's gun conference in Texas, the heart of gun culture. What was that conference like and what did you learn there? Right. So the conference that we went to, it's run by this organization called A Girl and a Gun. uh, And there were around 400 women who traveled there from all over America. And it was at this giant ranch that had all these shooting ranges. And really what we were there to explore was more of the self-defense aspect of shooting because most of the women that I interviewed and the research sort of backs this up, most female gun owners do cite self-defense as either the main reason that they carry or one of the major reasons that they carry. So we went down there, you know, not fully knowing what to expect, but essentially it was just all these different training courses that prep you on how to shoot your gun in different scenarios, you know, low light scenario, or one that we went to and showed in the doc was called the well-armed parents, where they teach you how to shoot your gun one handed and hold on to your child with the other hand, should that occasion ever arise. So For me, uh, it was really interesting. It was a little bit of a culture shock because I'm Canadian and here we're not allowed to carry for self-defense. So it was really interesting to see these different types of courses, but also talk to the women about why they felt that they even needed that type of training. And the majority of the women that I talked to had never had an occasion where they drew their weapon in self-defense. So what were some of the women concerned about or afraid of that actually drove them to buy guns and go to this gun conference? 
A lot of it was stranger danger. Uh, it was a lot of women cited feeling nervous when they see creepy guys in a parking lot. It was almost like a trope that I kept hearing over and over again. Home invasions were another one that people talked about. Women also described carrying as a way to equalize them or put them on an even playing field with men. But even day-to-day going to church, going Walmart shopping, like just these women just really felt like majority of them that I talked to anyway felt like they needed to be carrying their gun with them at all times should an attacker come at them. So what's the role of the NRA in promoting this narrative that women are safer when they carry guns and that that guns make women safer? So the NRA, um, there's plenty of advertising that they do that are sort of centered around this narrative that having a firearm makes women safer. Um, Dana Loesch herself has sort of talked about living alone and how she felt like she needed to carry a weapon should something happen. And she has said that trained armed women mean fewer rape victims, mean fewer assault victims. The NRA has done ads with women saying that a guy has come at me and put a knife to me, but I carry a pistol. So it is really this narrative around As a woman, it's your responsibility to be trained and armed so that you can fend off an attacker should somebody come at you. And is there data confirming this idea that if you own a firearm, you actually are more likely to protect yourself against an attack? No, I mean, I couldn't find any. Um, I think that it generally tends to be more anecdotal. And I think the NRA will also capitalize on situations where a woman perhaps got murdered and she was murdered in a place where she wasn't allowed to concealed carry. So then that becomes a story of, oh, well, if she was allowed to carry, perhaps this could have been prevented. But in terms of the research, there is just no data that shows that carrying a gun actually makes you safer. There is research that shows that a woman who has a gun in her home becomes more susceptible to homicide or suicide. One thing that I'm a little bit confused about when I was watching your film is that the women going to this gun conference were there to get gun safety training and to learn how to properly store their firearms, to properly use their firearms in a safe way. But many of the women you spoke to there did not want to legislate this type of training or safe storage laws. Help me understand this dissonance. I thought that was really fascinating, too, because obviously these women have invested a lot of time and money into coming to this conference and learning how to use their guns safely. And all of the instructors that I talked to also emphasized safety. But when I asked them, would you be in favor of something like a safe storage law to prevent some of these accidental deaths even, or a mandatory you know, training course, pretty much all of them said no. And I guess it's because they really view any type of government interference or legislation as a slippery slope. And many of them truly seem to believe that that could eventually lead to the government taking their guns away. And so that's really what it all boiled down to. So after the gun conference, you drove just an hour away to Austin, Texas, and you spoke to a woman with a staunchly 
opposing viewpoint. And she felt that guns absolutely do not make her feel safer and that guns do not make us as a country safer. Can you talk a little bit about who she was and what her experience was and some of the opposing viewpoints that you came across? So her name is Susan Nelson. She's a board member with Texas Gun Sense, which is sort of a pro-gun reform group. And um, when she was like in her 20s, she was shot in the head. She was having dinner with a friend of hers and this other person uh, who they knew. And this person grabbed a hold of a gun that was in the house at her friend's house. It wasn't properly stored and sort of held them up and wanted to rob them. And as they were running off, he shot them both. So her friend died and she was shot in the head, had to relearn how to write, read, walk, talk, you name it. And so she she has been sort of trying to lobby the government and say guns don't make people safer. And she uses her own personal story as an anecdote of that, where, hey, this guy, her friend had a gun in his home and it ended up being used against her. She sort of takes the completely opposite point of view. But even she is not, she's not advocating for anything radical, like taking everyone's guns away, but she just wants some sort of basic gun reform. And did you find that she was amongst peers in the sense that there were other people in Austin or in the part of Texas that you were in that they also wanted what she wanted? Or did she seem like this minority voice there? The event where we met her at was part of the national walkout for gun control. And so it was hosted by kids. So at that particular event, I was surrounded by people who wanted to see changes put through, um, you know, many of them being teenagers. Um, I did talk to a Democrat uh, down there, and he was sort of in favor of, of gun reform. But he also talked about how he felt like there wasn't much he could do because he's like one of the few Democrats there. I want to talk about the teens that you saw, which is this growing demographic of vocal gun control supporters. So after the conference, you went to Austin, which again is just an hour away from from the gun conference. And you met there a group of teenage girls who were leading a protest. And, you know, the fact that school shootings have become more and more common in this generation's lifetime, it's really pushed young people to the front of this debate. And I'm wondering what you saw there. And do you think that in a place like Texas, in the heart of, of gun country, that these teenage voices can make a real impact? So I have to say I was really impressed with these teens um, because they were super organized. They were very assertive and they were very, very well versed on the law and they knew exactly what they wanted to see happen. So it was really fascinating to see that. And they do seem very determined and afterwards, you know, we sort of chatted about some of the issues. And even they said, you know, we don't want to take people's guns away, but we do want universal background checks at work, or we do want to see an assault rifles ban. And there was a lot of hope in the air. But then, you know, just a month after we left Texas, and we're done shooting, done filming, I should say, there was another school shooting that happened in Texas in Santa Fe. And so another 10 people were killed. And I called back one of my subjects to ask her about that. And she said, yeah, like it does feel like another punch in the gut. It does kind of feel like we're just shouting into a void because we have this sort of hope and then something like this happens again inevitably. 
I want to ask you sort of on a personal level what filming this doc was like. As you said, you're from Canada and it's illegal to carry a gun there for self-defense. Most people buy guns in Canada for hunting or for going to the shooting range. Could you relate to what the women at the conference were saying? Or were there times when you felt frustrated or angry about what you were seeing and hearing? On a personal level, what did it feel like to be in this gun-centric environment? On a personal level, it was definitely a bit shocking to be surrounded by people who were armed, even just on that very basic level, because I'm just not used to that. And while I was talking to some of the women, I definitely felt empathetic towards them because at the end of the day, I am a woman. I understand what it feels like to be threatened. And I can totally understand the need to want to protect yourself. I think that what got a bit frustrating for me was the sort of talking points that everybody seemed to have, mostly on the pro-gun side where there was just sort of a lack of nuance. And anytime you would bring up any type of research or statistic, it would immediately almost be dismissed. You know, you would talk about gun-free zones, it would immediately be like, well, a gun-free zone is just, you can just shoot fish in a barrel, you know, you're making yourself out to be a target. And so I feel like on that side, yeah, it did get to be a little bit frustrating for me. And I'll be honest, by the end of our you know, four or five days down there, I started having weird dreams. I started having dreams, I think, about just people being armed. And um, it was because I was staying at a motel where everybody there was there for the convention or for the conference. So they were all armed. And I think something about that just started to mess with me a little bit psychologically, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that would definitely be alarming for me (laughs) as well. I'm from Massachusetts and I live in New York. But yeah, I guess the last question for this interview is really just where do you see the gun debate going after sort of diving deep into this issue, filming that doc? I don't know. It's such a tough question to answer because, you know, I don't want to sound totally defeatist, but it seems like it's so hard to find a middle ground between these two sides. And there was a a lawyer who I interviewed in the doc, Tiffany, and she pretty much said, you know, if it comes down to um, my rights to carry a a firearm versus banning something on the chance that somebody else might do something bad with the firearm, she's like, I'm never going to give up my rights. And I feel like that's where a lot of um, gun people are coming from. And so it's just hard to see, I mean, especially under Trump right now, where this could go in terms of actually pushing through gun reform. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. To watch this doc, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.